current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. that's out of order comes the push for a liberal world order. Prophetic words are coming from the British Prime Minister, we'll discuss. Surveillance is coming to vehicles in the EU, and more falling away is coming to a Presbyterian church near you. These are just some of the signs of the times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, July 8th, 2022. And coming your way later today is podcast episode 223. When you subscribe through Apple, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google, or just download the Way Media app, or hit us up at thewaymedia.net, where you can read the articles that we discuss or ask Pastor Mark a prophecy question. And now here to disinfect the depravity in our world is Pastor Mark, who buys his firearms from a guy named T-Rex. He's a small arms dealer. <laughs> okay, that's not bad. Oh, I got a laugh out of you. No, that is. I, yes. Now you also got. You also got. You got a laugh out of you, but you also got the FBI watching me now because you said I'm. Yeah, I'm yes. My firearms. I'm buying firearms. Uh, yes. So we, two things that we had a laugh and um, and legal trouble I, all yeah, in one all joke. All in one joke. That's Greg. You're the best. You're the best friend I've ever. I'm had. a multitasker. <laughs> so anyway, um, I did want to mention. Uh, I did want to mention today. Um, uh, last, of course, last Friday was the um, we had celebrated, or last week celebrated the fourth. Um, or this was it. This past Monday. This past, past Monday, Monday, yeah. Time is flying. It is flying. Uh, but on this day, uh, July 8th in 1776, Philadelphians heard the tolling of the Liberty Bell, and this famous brass alarm signified a public reading of the newly published Declaration of Independence. Hmm. So when the bell was rung, they read the Declaration. But what was interesting is that bell was originally called the State House Bell. And it didn't become known as the Liberty Bell until the 1830s, uh, because the bell came to symbolize the anti-slavery movement that was going through America uh, at that time. Oh. And if you'll remember, we talked about that, that the laws were passed in 1807, and it took till 1861 right. to go to war That's over right. the whole thing. That's right. So you could, the steam, you know, it was... That's some great history. Building. Yeah, it was no, some thanks great, for the great history there. That's great. You know, again, multitasking. It is. That is the key See, for the show. And that's why you're the master of ceremonies. There, there you go. Signs there you go. Oh, signs of the times. All right, but now it's time to let the elephant in the room uh, loose. Yes. <laughs> well, again, I, no, I'm glad we did. I, one thing I want to bring, we talked about adding this segment in from time to time when something major happens that I feel it's not really in our notes, maybe in front of us, but we need to talk about. And this is one of those. Um, many of you, maybe right before the show came on, heard our president give a statement about this executive order that he did concerning Roe versus Wade. And there's not a lot that can be done uh, about it as far as executive. It really was, I think, more of a, uh, as they say in politics, a red herring or really more just kind of to satisfy his base. Not much can really be done. Not much has changed. But it was the attitude, Greg, with which he did it that really brought something else to mind that I wanted to briefly just have our listeners be aware of. And and I'm not just be aware of as signs of the times listeners, but how to pray for our nation. You know, a nation, when it's uh, rebelling against God, like America is uh, um, much of America, not all of America, but much of America, then it's one thing to rebel against God and kind of do it in secret, kind of do it in the closet, so to speak. Nobody knows about it. And you, and eventually judgment comes because God, he has to. I mean, he's very gracious, but at some point God has to deal with it. And so, but it's another thing to get, as you say, out of the closet, to get in God's face and really just, you know, basically not hidden rebellion anymore. It's open rebellion and not just rebellion, even pride in your rebellion. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. We just in June, as you know, we had pride month for the, um, gay and lesbian homosexual issues. 
And they have these pride parades, and it's always kind of caught my attention that they really emphasize pride in all this, because when you read about Sodom and Gomorrah, and the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is, is really what this whole movement is, is tied up in, um, when you read about the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, it wasn't just their sexual immorality and the sodomy and all these other things that were going on that God said, I have to judge you for that, um, because it goes against nature and creation and against God. It was the pride they took in it. And I want to read you a, a verse here, Ezekiel 1649. It's not the only place it talks about it, but it says, look, the iniquity of Sodom was she and her daughter had pride. Fullness of food, abundance of idleness, neither did they strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. So basically they were very prideful that everything they needed and they didn't care about the poor and the needy. Sadly, in many ways, that describes our nation in many ways, although I know much of our nation does take care of the poor and needy, and much of our nation doesn't have fullness of faith. I understand there's a balance in all this, but here's what really struck me, and it really kicked in when the president today uh, did his speech. He basically shook his fist in God's face, and um, I don't say this in any disrespect to the position or the office of the president. I'm simply saying as, as a fact of what happened, our founding fathers, we founded the Constitution on the Bible. And if you look at it from biblical and then just practical, practical, um, there's been this whole argument about why did they defend the Second Amendment, the Supreme Court, and why didn't they defend abortion? Well, because one's in the Constitution and one's not. It's really a basic matter of, of, of law. The Constitution only protects what it mentions. So it, it mentions our founding fathers uh, put in there because the Bible talks about self-defense and the right of self-defense, and so you can't be taken over by tyranny or whatever. They put uh, you know self-defense in there. And so they, they back that law up. It's there in the Constitution. Well, they come to this one, and everybody's going, uh, you know, this is outrageous. How could they not? Well, it's not in there. It's not a matter of, you know, you may not like the fact that it's not in there. You may wish the laws were different. But the reality is they obeyed the Constitution and the law by overturning Roe versus Wade. Well, I heard him talking about how outrageous what they had done was. that They were disobeying the Constitution. They were breaking the Constitution. How horrible the Supreme Court was. He's talking. It's basically one branch attacking another, which is not a good sign when you think about a nation falling apart. United we stand, divided we fall. Yeah, I mean, this is how nations fall apart. Their their government systems start fighting against each other. Our president, whether he liked it or not, should have said, you know, that's what the Supreme Court decided. We're going to honor that. And if we want to get the votes and the people in office to change it, we'll do that. But this is where we are right now. Let's move on. That should have been yeah. his response. That's yeah. the, the right response. But instead, he got on there and talked about how horrible they were, what wicked people, and they whatever. And, and really, since the Constitution, Greg, is based on the Bible, and since God's Word says we're to come under the governing authorities and law, in essence, what the president was doing was rebelling against God and saying, look, I know you created babies, because the Bible says God created children, we want the right to murder them. And if we can't murder them, we're going to fight in every way we can to get the right back to murder babies. So you have this. And my point is, in both of these instances, um, you've got the president, you've got the, the Pride Month and the whole Pride movement. It's one thing. If you want to live that way, God doesn't stop you from living that way. God just says, if you do, there'll be two, two types of consequences. Consequence one will be there'll be earthly consequences, whether it's sexually transmitted disease, whatever issues, suicide is high in, among that community, depression, all that. So there's, there's earthly consequences because this against, it goes against God and it goes against nature. But then there's the eternal consequences that you can't get into heaven. Because the Bible says that don't be deceived, the homosexual cannot enter heaven. Okay, so you're free to live that way. The church doesn't try to stop you from living that way. Conservatives don't try to stop you from living that way. God doesn't even stop you. He allows you to do it if you choose to do it. He just says, if you do it, you're rebelling against me and there'll be consequences. And here they are, earthly and eternal. So that's one thing. But then when they start saying, yeah, we're not only going to do this, and we know, God, it's against your word. We're going to be proud about it. And we're going to have parades. And we're going to, you know, I mean, I saw like rainbows on on police cars, like cities. There, the whole, what, what the problem is, our, I'm watching our whole nation. It's really kind of like the pressure that happened with all the CRT stuff, the, the not CRT and also the, the Black Lives Matter movement. It's not about whether or not, you know, black people don't matter. Of course they do. God loves everyone. And, and they matter very much. That's not the issue. But it was used politically to to pressure people to get political agendas through and done, right? Well, now they're doing the same thing with the whole uh, gay issue and the pride thing. It's like if you don't take pride in it, if you don't go along, then somehow you're a bad person, you're evil or whatever. And so what's happening is it's one thing for those that choose to live that way to say, God, we don't want to obey you. It's another thing for a nation to adopt that and the nation to say, well, we don't want to do it either. So what we're doing is as a nation, by, by having this Pride Month and all these events and really everybody endorsing it from the White House on down, we're saying to God, even rainbow things that are on the White House, 
colors and all. We're saying to God, in your face, we don't care what your word says. We're going to do what we want, and we dare you to judge. We're, we're daring God to judge us is what's happening. We know about Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, but we don't care is what we're saying. All right, now, so then when I heard him do his speech today, it's the same thing. We know that murder, you said that a baby, anybody, once they're, I mean, it's murder to kill a, lot, a human life. God creates each one, the Bible says, in the womb. The Bible says that God forms the baby in the womb. So you're, you're murdering a baby when you do an abortion, right? And so it's not a political issue. It's a moral issue. And so when the president comes out and says, we're going to fight against this with all we can, at the same time our nation is going, we're taking pride in a sin that God condemns, and we're going to do it as a nation, that our president says, we're going to, take, we're going to fight our best to be able to, to, to kill these babies that you created. Here's my point. Look, it's not about politics or where you, how you voted or whether you vote or not, which as a Christian I think you should. My issue is we have now shifted over, and this is what we have to be aware of and praying for, and I want our listeners to be praying. We've gone from basically sinning kind of in secret to sinning out in the open and public and daring God to judge us. Now, God is very gracious, and God is very merciful, but at some point, God says enough is enough. And, of course, we know when he comes back, he's going to judge, and before he establishes his kingdom— um, but also nations are judged prior to that. And I, I really, you know, Greg, we're screaming headlong. I, that whole picture of a train, you know, where the engineer's dead and he's just going and nobody's up there running. And it's just uh, full on. At some point, it's going to crash. And we are now from the top levels of our government shaking our fist in God's face and saying, we don't care what your, your word says. We're going to fight against you with everything we have. And by the way, we're proud of it. We're not going to we're not only going to do it. We, we take pride in it. At some point, you know, again, I, I, the, the Bible, I was watching these things that are happening. They're attacking people out in the open, and there was this big attack against some restaurant in New York City that everybody's filming because they were mad at the people there. Mobs, Greg, just violence everywhere. And, and, and I thought about the days of Noah. The Bible said in the days of Noah, the thoughts of men and their intents of their heart were evil continually. There was violence. There was, there was just rampant, you know, everything was horrible. Yeah. Well, he said, Jesus said, it's going to be like, like that again in the last days. And you know what? We are watching it happen. It is heartbreaking. God can still save, and if we repent, God will. But we really are, I think, seeing the front end of the days of Noah. And I just I wanted to add that in today. I know it took some time, even maybe more than you wanted me to with all the articles we have, but I just feel like that's too important not to point out. Our listeners need to be praying and need to be aware so that we know how to pray for our nation. Yeah, the bottom line is, even though the Supreme Court uh, overturned Roe versus Wade. That doesn't mean that the battle is over. No, no, no. It's not over. The, and the enemy is not going to give up that easily. Well, remember, Jesus said, "I've come to give life and life more abundantly." Yes. But He said, "Satan has come to kill, steal, and destroy." destroy. So He's going to continue to try to kill our children and destroy yeah. them. He wants to kill us. He wants to kill everybody. But I think that before you know Christ, if you don't know the Lord, you can't see this. Yeah. All you see is your politics. All yeah. you see is your opinion. You don't recognize the spiritual realm. The spiritual battle, and the Lord says that Satan wants to kill all of us. He wants to kill yeah. adults, he wants to kill teenagers, and he wants to kill babies in the womb. Yeah. That is what he's wanted to do for all time. That's his goal. And we've got an article later on in the broadcast that will highlight another way that Satan is trying to uh, kill and destroy our children yeah. as well. So Absolutely. We'll, we'll get to that. All right, but first, uh, we've got to come back to America here. Yes. And uh, we see from The Blaze... Uh, Biden advisor is saying that Americans need a liberal world order. It yeah. kind of feels like we're already in one. It really does. But, Greg, this is something that I think was kind of a, a slip that came out because I think everybody got the instructions, right? And they all just kind of got the instructions and just went out and said it without thinking about it. We've been talking about a new world order for a long time. That terminology has been in our language, in our news, in our government for a long time. And we all said, guys, recognize this. That's what the Bible says will happen. There's going to be a one-world government. It's going to be ruled by uh, one we call the Antichrist, but the world's going to see him as this great leader out of Europe. He's going to rule the entire world. All the governments will come under his authority, and it'll be a new world order, so to speak. But this is the first time now they've given it a new name, a liberal world order. And, and it's not so much what it's called. The Bible tells us what it's going to be. So what they call it doesn't matter. What's interesting to me in this article, Greg, is that it shows that world leaders are talking about it and they've even given it a name. They're working toward this one world government that the Antichrist will lead up, and they've given it a name. You remember when Prince Charles was speaking recently, and he said, we want to have everything in place so that when he takes over, he can do it unimpeded. And everybody goes, who's he? Who's he talking about? And a lot of people, well, he just slipped up. Maybe he didn't mean that. Maybe he did just slip up. But it might be that this man is on the scene, behind the scenes, 
The world leaders know who he is. They don't know that he's really the Antichrist. They don't know he's evil. They don't know anything. They just know, and they're everybody, or they may just be preparing for when they do put someone, they probably have discussed, hey, we're going to come together. We'll put a main leader in place. And when he's in place, could be that. We don't want him impeded. So they may have no idea who it is, and the Antichrist may not be known. The point is, I believe it was more than a slip at this point. I think they're saying, look, we're putting an order together. We want that leader of this new world or liberal world order to be able to go unimpeded. So let's get everything in place, the foundation that needs to be there. You know, what's what's interesting is that that whole push for a globalization and the recognition in the leading that it's actually happening. And I know that this isn't necessarily prophetic, but I think it's an interesting parallel or correlation, whatever you want to say. To that issue, and that is what's happening for those of us here in the U.S., and if you follow college sports, what's happening with college football and the conferences. And there is this rush to build these power conferences and basically cannibalize the others so there's only a handful left if even that. It's human nature. It's just interesting. It is, Greg. It's know, interesting. Yeah. I was thinking it's human nature. When you see, because think about all these world leaders, I kept thinking, why would they want to have a one world government? And for example, our president and all our leaders, why would they want to give up our sovereignty and all the blessings that we've had in America? Well, it's okay as long as you still get all those blessings. As long as you still you get all those still, blessings. Yes. So those at the top, they're going, we'll come together and control everyone else as long as we still have our piece of the pie. And I think that's what's happening. Yeah. These elite world leaders are going, we get our piece of the pie. We'll put a main guy in charge, which we know will be the Antichrist. Yeah. It's going to be a liberal world order. And President Joe Biden's director of National Economic Council, yeah. Brian Deese, said Americans paying higher gas prices is needed. In other words, they want this. Yes. It's it's out in the open for, and I quote, the future of the liberal world order. And you might think, well, he just used some phrase. No, 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 no. 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 The, the president said it either <laughs> right before or right after that. Yeah. So that is now a term that's being used. The Biden administration has repeatedly blamed gas prices on Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Um, on Thursday, Biden's President Biden said Americans should expect to pay high fuel prices for as long as it takes. So Russia cannot, in fact, defeat Ukraine and move beyond Ukraine. Blackwell said, I think everybody understands why this is happening. We do. <laughs> but is, is it sustainable? Why do you say those families who say, listen, we can't afford to pay a 45 a gallon? So this, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, journalist is asking him. He says, this isn't sustainable. Deason said, well, um, he was, by the way, this guy was the, also the global head of BlackRock, which is one of, one of the leaders financially of the world right now. Yes. BlackRock. Yeah. He said this, and I quote, well, what we heard from the president today is about the stakes. Listen to this. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. In other words... Which is another way to say new world we order. We have got to do whatever... I don't care how much pain yeah. it causes the little guy. Yeah. I don't care how much... How, many, how The price of groceries. I don't care about the price of gas. Yeah. I don't care about... We have to do this to control the world yeah. and put everybody down, and we're going to do it. Uh, conservatives blasted uh, the Biden administration for this liberal world order anyway, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But so be watching, Greg. Look... They are openly talking about it. This is not yeah. years ago. If we've been talking about this, people say, yeah, you conspiracy theorists on Christian yeah. radio. No, they're coming out and saying it. And I love the way that Zev Zelenko said it. He said, you know, he said, you know, hey, it's a conspiracy. It was uh, the, the ark was a conspiracy and the flooding of the earth was a conspiracy <laughs> yeah. until it rained. Yeah. Well, it's raining. Yeah. It's raining. And they're coming out and saying it. We're going to have a one world government. They yeah. want it to be a liberal approach to this one world government. They're getting everything in place. The Bible tells us the world leaders will all submit to whoever they put in power. We know that'll be the Antichrist. And it's I'm telling you, when we say we're getting closer every day, that's a logical statement. But I mean, I think we're watching it happen. It is happening before our eyes. Pretty exciting. Well, um, speaking of one world government, and, and it's good to point out, too, while we're talking about this, is that the government will be formed first. Yeah, that's right. The Antichrist isn't going to show up and then form the government. That's right. The Bible says the government will be there, and then he will step into the middle of this newly created government. Yeah. At what time, we really don't know. Yeah. Uh, and he'll, he'll take control. That's right. At that point. So, uh, and speaking of the creation of the one world government, the revived roman empire that's right this is from israel 365 news british prime minister it wants to recreate the roman empire isn't that interesting it's 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 like can i uh, 
it, Boris Johnson, is that, isn't that his name, Boris Johnson? It is, yeah. yeah. Can I just open up the Bible, and can you just read this verse for me? I know. At Daniel chapter 2, yeah. it says, there will be a revived Roman Empire. That will be the world government led by the Antichrist. So we're, Amazing. Again, you know, I, these guys don't know the Bible. They're not saying this because the Bible no. said it. No, they don't now, even know. Yeah, and, and Boris Johnson, yeah, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. By the way, real quick on Boris Johnson, he just, re- he just stepped down. Announced today. You know, I heard about right that. Right after this, here's my point. Um, I believe this is going to happen. But world powers as they be and Satan in control, I mean, there may be something spiritual going on much larger here to get him out of the way that is being done through other world leaders saying, look, we are going to have a Roman Empire, but shut up. My guess, I wonder, my guess is, is that these guys are going to be replaced by the disciples of Klaus Schwab. Yeah, because that's what's happened in the Netherlands. Yeah, that's uh, Justin Trudeau. Yeah. The prime minister of Canada. Yeah. He is a disciple of Klaus Schwab. Yeah. So you're seeing a lot of these people that have, you know, come to the foot of his teachings yeah. with him and his prophet Harari. Yeah, I know. Anyway. I just, know. I know. Well, again. Continue. Yeah. Boris Johnson, the leader of the United Kingdom, a conservative party, has always been controversial. But this week suggested the best way to unite Europe was, was by recreating the Roman Empire. By the way, yes, Boris Johnson, I'm not saying that's the best thing, but that will happen. Daniel chapter 2, you're, that should have Daniel chapter 2 after it, but it doesn't. His vision of the Roman Empire of the 21st century is based on a partnership that included Turkey and the North African states. As the NATO summit in Madrid last month, he told reporters were at it, this would be based on the Mare Nostrum, the Latin term used in Roman days for the Mediterranean Sea. Hmm. Isn't that something? The Mare Nostrum, yeah. Johnson's plans, he's using, he's using um, um, Roman language, saying we need to get back to Rome. Mm. Johnson's plan uh, was in contrast to the European political community, uh, presented by France's Emmanuel Macron to the European Parliament on May 9th. This community would allow the EU to force closer ties with non-members, such as the UK and nations of the Western Balkans. Uh, though Britain left the European Union in 2020, known as the Brexit. Here's the thing. They pulled out. And yet he's saying, no, we have to come back in. That's another reason he got kicked out is his own party saying, look, we, we put you in for the Brexit. You're saying get back in. Um, he's saying, no, we need greater unity to face the common threat now. Things have changed since we voted to get rid of it. You can't change what the people vote for. You can. We were doing it in America, and that's what they're trying to do there. But he says, we need to get back in. Another. So he was fighting against Brexit when he was put in office for Brexit. And I quote, I had this idea back when I first became foreign secretary. My view is that we should rebuild the whole concept of that. Uh, and then Turkey should be there of the Maghreb. Uh, the Maghreb should be there. This whole concept of the Roman Empire. And then we should basically be recreating the Mare Nostrum. That is the Mediterranean, the Mediterranean of the Roman Empire. I mean, even the fact that he talks about the Mediterranean, the beast, it says, is going to come up out of the sea. And the, it's speaking of the Mediterranean. That's the picture of the Mediterranean when the beast comes up out of the Sea of Peoples. It's a Sea of Peoples. But, again, yeah. the, the imagery. I mean, the, great, the imagery, this is, yeah. This is like, like you said, if you, didn't, if, if you didn't know better, you think these guys know the Bible and they're just quoting the Bible. But what's so exciting they're is just following the script. we're watching them follow the script. Sure. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah, and so, yeah, oh, very you're nice. Right, you're yes. right. And like so, but I mean, it's all falling into place. Yeah. Very exciting. It sure is. Uh, Summit News uh, says for from tomorrow, I guess from tomorrow on, all new vehicles in the EU will have surveillance black boxes. Yeah, this is just interesting. <laughs> I wanted to bring this up. Very interesting. It's wonderfully creepy, isn't it? It is. And it says the data recorded will include vehicle speed, braking, steering wheel angle. All for safety. Uh, yes. It's inclined on, incline on the road, whether the vehicle's various safety systems were in operation. <laughs> now, why did I, why do I bring this in? You say, who cares? Here's the point. Oh, it's very well, important. Mass surveillance. Yes. And this is just, you think, oh, they're surveying my car. I don't care. Nope. You know, no, no, no. This no, is no. mass surveillance of everybody, everywhere, what you're doing. Oh, I'm not going to take my phone. Well, if you have your car and still track you yeah and let's take this one step further here in the u.s for several years how many i don't remember um insurance companies automobile insurance companies like progressive and others right uh progressives i think is called snapshot right it's a it's a little device that plugs into your odb2 port right that's underneath your dash and so what that if if those that are listening don't even know that there is a port down there that's basically it's a it's a communications port that the mechanic can plug a device into right to read when there is a, a trouble light or some sort of trouble code right that will discern or decode what that code is to tell the mechanic what's wrong with the vehicle right now that vehicle is recording and capturing all sorts of information that snapshot device or these devices that these insurance companies use that plug into this port 
are recording your speed, your braking, and all sorts of things like that, all to help you drive safer so you can pay less in insurance premiums. Right. Okay? So... So the trial balloon has been floated out there, and I don't know how many people have volunteered to do this from these, you know, insured motorists right. to help lower their rates. But yet, that is that's a form of voluntary right. surveillance. Yeah, and the trade-off is is that you pay a lower premium if you drive like a nice person, yeah. and according to what the law says. Right. So anyway. And now, now the surveillance is going to be forced upon you. Yeah, and we. So don't be surprised if it starts happening here. No, I think it is. As a matter of fact, Greg, I think they've already started. I think they're doing it now. They've already started saying they're going to be putting in our cars uh, trackable. So all the new cars, I think, are going to have it. If you buy a car at this point on, they may not tell you until later, but I, I heard, I think they're already in them. All these electrical vehicles, these full yeah. electric oh, vehicles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Te- Tesla, for example, had removed a feature from their vehicles because the data that they had been recording from all of their vehicles that they've sold, told them that that item was, and I think it had to do with lumbar or something to do with the passenger seat, wasn't that a right. feature that they offered wasn't being used. Yeah. And so from some point forward in their production, their manufacturing process, they no longer included that feature yeah. because the data was showing them it wasn't being used. Yeah. So that's another form of surveillance there. Could, yeah, that, it may have been that feature that detects if the wife is scared every time you drive, and then that makes you look bad and all the rates go up. And so, I mean, just a thought. Just a thought. Just a thought. I always thought it'd be good to put a camera down there facing up on the passenger side and see all the faces the wife yes. makes and how many times she stomps the floorboard. And So is that why you ride by yourself on your motorcycle? Yeah, the sidecar okay. thing. Yeah, okay. It's not working <laughs> it so work. good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh <laughs> We have yes. got listener mail yes. uh, as we listen to Signs of the Times on WIAMLP Knoxville. It's our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news. And we always invite your listener questions. As uh, Dennis uh, reached out to us, he enjoys Signs of the Times in the Bronx in New York City. And he has a question about speaking in tongues. He says, since 1973, I was told by believers that speaking in tongues is the sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Since I do not speak in tongues as mandated by believers that all Christians, including myself, will go straight to hell. Interesting. I have risked my life in the Lord and followed in his footsteps, traveling halfway around the world in naval service, saw family and friends uh, come to know Jesus, did missionary work in the jungle, repaired equipment for Christian broadcasting stations. Yet, according to God's word, it says he will throw me into hell because he never knew me. Why must I speak in tongues as a requirement to be a believer or even join a church? My view of speaking in tongues is that it edifies self and not God. Well, Vincent, or Dennis, rather, a uh, lot to unpack here for there Pastor really Mark. There really is. There really is. And, yeah. and, and first of all, let me just say, Dennis, I, and, and you've, you've had a lot of, of misguided teaching. I think you're, the, the, the pastors that you've had or the people that you've worked with, they're not really using Scripture. They're using really more of probably their uh, denominational position or their group's position or whatever, because a lot of the things here, and, and I'm not saying against you, I think, I want to say this, I think your heart Absolutely, is right. Yeah. What, what you're doing is, your spirit is telling you, hey, something here is not right. And let me just say, your spirit is right on. You're, you're correct. There's a lot here that's not right. Um, a little bit of background. Um, first of all, what does the Bible say about tongues? Tongues is one of the gifts. It mentions many different gifts, but the Bible very clearly states that not every believer speaks in, in another language. It just means a different language. And I want to read just something. I want to lay a foundation biblically, then address these issues. Okay. But you can find others. And by the way, Dennis, I encourage you to go back and read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Pray, ask God to open your, your eyes to them. Read what it says about the gifts and how the gifts operate um, uh, you know, the, the gift of tongues, you know, you, you're right in part when you say that it was to edify self. Um, it, it is speaking to God. Uh, it tells us there in Corinthians that you are speaking to God when you speak in tongues and you're not speaking to men, which a lot of these movements will say you're speaking to people. No, you're speaking to God. 
But yeah, I, that God is speaking to people through you. Right. But yeah. speaking to God, number one. Number two, it is to build you up. It's a gift that's given to build you up so that as you use that gift in private, you're going to be a stronger Christian. And Paul also goes on in 12, 13, and 14, and maybe it's in 14 where he says this. It's also used as a testimony to the unbeliever. Uh, if, not if everybody does it at once. If, if everybody speaks in tongues at one time, he says that drives people away. They'll think you're crazy. He says, don't do that. He says, but if you do it one at a time, with an interpretation. He said, that will so astound the unbeliever that many of them will be led to the Lord that way. And I know stories like that. I won't get sidetracked, but people have actually heard people yeah. speak in tongues in another language. And give their life to the Lord. They knew yeah. that language and knew that person didn't know that language, and they gave their life to the Lord. Um, but, but I want to read about this real quick here at the end of you know Paul talking about tongues. He's talking about all the gifts. And Paul says this at the end of chapter 12, starting in verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually so we're part of a body but we each are individual members again talking about the body of christ and we all have individual gifts as well and god has appointed these in the church first you know apostles second prophets third teachers after that miracles then gifts of healing helps administrations and varieties of different languages which we call tongues he says however are all apostles are all prophets well the obvious answer is no are all teachers? Well, no. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have the gift of healings? Well, obviously no. Do all speak with tongues? Well, same thing. Obviously no. Do all interpret? No. But, regardless of this, in other words, earnestly desire the best gifts, and I'll show you a more excellent way, which he goes on to say is love. So here's the point. Paul says that speaking in another language is one of the gifts. It does build us up individually. It can be used as a witness to the unbeliever um, and things like that. However, uh, not the way people use it today. It's not to be used everybody doing it at one time. It's not to be used as some kind of spiritual one-upmanship. I can do this and you can't. And also it makes it very clear, not all believers have that gift. Just like all believers don't have the gift of teaching yeah. or knowledge or whatever, yeah. okay? So there's a lot of people, a lot of strong believers that don't have the gift of speaking in another language. That's not a spiritual barometer, nor does that mean you're saved, nor does that mean you're not saved. With that foundation there from Corinthians chapter 12, let me go on and say, where I said you've had false teaching is, there is among the uh, ultra-charismatic movements, uh, this teaching that says, the real Pentecostal movements, they say that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved because speaking in tongues is an evidence that you've given your life to God. Well, if that was true, then Paul just lied right here. See, that Paul couldn't have said, does everybody speak in tongues? Paul would have said, yeah, everybody speaks in tongues. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on in 14 and says, I wish you all spoke in another language, but rather, I wish you all prophesied. In other words, obviously you don't all speak in another language, or I wouldn't say I wish you did. And he just said that we don't all speak in that language. But Greg, I think where they, I know where they get it from. They say that everybody has to do it, and you're not saved if you don't have it. That's not true. That's not biblical. Not so, biblical. so Dennis, yeah. you're, you're right on. Um, but what they're saying is, because when you read the book of Acts, what it shows the Spirit was poured out, they begin to speak in other languages, okay? Which is what is referred to as tongues, just other languages. Tongues, the word tongue scares people, but let's use a more non-scary word. They began to speak in other languages that weren't their own. Um, and so they use that and say, well, that proves whatever. But that doesn't prove anything. That simply shows you certain events that happened historically and the way it happened then. Doctrine is formed off of the doctrinal positions and teaching of the Scripture as a whole. And Paul very clearly here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 at the end says, not, everybody's, not every believer speaks in tongues. Not every believer speaks in another language. So that's where you get your doctrine from, is from looking at the Bible as a whole and doctrinal statements, not events. That was an event. Those are events that happened in the Bible. These are doctrinal teachings from the Bible. Very, very different. And so, um, you know, don't, you know, again, you're right to, you know, God's not going to send you to hell because you don't speak in another language. Um, you apparently don't have that gift. If you know Jesus Christ and you've asked forgiveness of your sins and you've received the Lord, you will inherit the kingdom of heaven, the Bible says. And so other languages is not a barometer of that. That's simply one of many gifts that some believers have and some believers don't have. And another thing to point out too, Pastor Mark, is that the fact that it is a gift it's yeah. nothing. It's nothing that you can earn. That's right. Uh, you know, so that's another important point to make is yeah. that these are gifts, and the there in Corinthians it says to one the Holy Spirit gives the gift of teaching, to another he gives that's the right. gift of prophecy that's or right. of knowledge or all of these things, and that's God's sovereign decision yeah. on who gets what for His purposes and the call I believe that He's placed on your life in. He knows what you need yeah. 
to not only be uh, effective in ministry in serving him, but just for yourself. You know, I believe in, I think you've talked about this before, um, that, you know, God gave you the gift of speaking in tongues. Right. But that that was something that you needed. Yeah, because it builds you, it does build you it up. It does you build, yeah. It, it, and, and I think that God gave me that because the ministry that God's called me to, it's something I don't do in front of other people. It's exactly. something that, and I want you to know this too, Dennis. This is, um, and maybe to share a little bit about that because some of our listeners right now might be going, Oh my goodness, I didn't know that. And, and yeah. Pastor Mark's, you know, charismatic or no, look. No. Charisma just means the gifts, and and there's a difference in believing in the gifts, believing in charisma, and being charismatic, or charismania, as Pastor Chuck used to say. Charismania is where you just go crazy with the gifts without any kind of biblical uh, guidelines or background, and you use them unscripturally and unbiblically, and that's what's happened, Dennis, with your uh, connections with some of the people you've been talking to, is they've been using the gifts or speaking of the gifts unbiblically and not using them properly. But it's interesting, when I gave my life to the Lord, I didn't know anything really about the gifts at all. I just just got saved. I wasn't even involved in a church yet. I was. I, I just started going to church some, so I guess I was kind of involved. I was going whatever, but I wasn't really heavily involved in church. And I remember I was alone in this house, and um, I just wanted everything God had for me. And I didn't know what all he had. And I said, Lord, I want everything you have for me. That's I want it all, whatever it is. Give me those gifts. And I think at that moment, I, I felt God pour his spirit out of me. Uh, I was filled with the spirit. I recognized it. And I, I God, I think at that time, gave me a gift of teaching. I wasn't a teacher prior to that. So now I'm a teacher and called me to be a pastor, gave me that gift. But he also, I began to speak in another language. Now, I was by myself. Nobody was, you know, hitting me on the head or telling me what to do or trying to make me fall back or, you know, any of these charismatic things, these charismania things that you see. It was very, very natural, very peaceful, very sweet. And I just, I was like, wow, what am I doing? I mean, I, I, I had control of it. it was, yeah. I wasn't out of control. I was just like, I'm now talking in another language and this is bizarre. I'm not sure what's going on. And of course, I began to study the scriptures. I had heard of the gift. I don't, you know, I'm not going to lie and say I hadn't heard of the gift to speak in the language. I had heard of it. And I was, but, but I didn't really understand it. And I began to realize, okay, this is a gift that I have. And um, and then I read about why you have that gift. It's a gift given so that you can be built up. You can be strengthened in the things of God. And I find that I need to be built up on a regular basis. And so before I teach or before I do something that has to do with God, a lot of times I'll get alone, spend a little bit of time speaking in another language, and I, I get built up. I feel edified. I feel strengthened or whatever. And I know that it's not something I've made up. And I know that it's something that's not fake because I wasn't trying to do it. It literally just happened. And I was, it, it shocked me as, as much as it would anybody else. I was, I was astounded by it. What is, this is weird. I don't understand, but it wasn't scary. It felt wonderful. It's very natural. And I realized this is the gift that people talk about where they can speak in other languages. So don't be afraid of it. It's a wonderful gift. It does build you up if you have that gift. If you don't have it, obviously you don't because I know that you're concerned here. You don't have to have it. Again, you're yeah. just as saved. There's nothing more spiritual. As a matter of fact, when you read, Greg, the, the whole list of the gifts, it comes down to the very bottom. Yeah. One it's of the, the least of. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a lot of people lift that gift up as, well, this shows how spiritual I am, and I'm even more spiritual than the next guy. When, when in reality, I, I don't want to belittle it because all God's gifts are glorious. Yeah. But at the same time, if you try to use that as some type of exaltation against a brother or sister because you speak in another language and they don't, if you look at the list, it comes down toward the bottom. You've got teachers and prophets and evangelists and everything else coming first, and then toward the end, you've got that. And like I said, I've often said, I wonder if God didn't give me that gift because I'm weaker, and I need that strengthening. And so God allowed me in my weakness to be strengthened by a gift and so I could do the ministry. But uh, don't let anybody tell you yeah. that. Go to the Word of God. Again, do an intensive study. I'd invite you, if you, you're Dennis, to go to any of the Calvary Chapel pastors on 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. We should have our, my teaching out there on 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians. Go listen to it. You'll find it very balanced, I believe, uh, from any of the Calvary pastors, teaching on it and an understanding of it. And uh, it's really a, it's really a wonderful a wonderful thing. I remember one last thing I'll share, Greg, and then we'll yeah. go on. I remember I, 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 you know, I was a baby Christian. I was by myself. I didn't have all my theology in place or whatever. And somebody heard that, hey, you know, Mark's start speaking another language. Well, there was a guy that was in my circle that didn't believe that was for today, for whatever the reason. I know that's still a common teaching today. And he came to convince me after it had happened that um, although it was there in the Bible, and he and I, he agreed with me, it was there in the Bible. It wasn't for today, and he gave me all of his reasons. Um, and he said, that's not for today, so really, you know, that isn't, it isn't something you can do. And I told him, I said, you're too late. I said, if you had gotten me a couple of weeks earlier, I might have believed you and you could have convinced me. But yeah. I said, I was by myself praying and I wasn't trying to do it. It just happened. Yeah. And I, I, can't, I can't deny that it happened. Now, 
You don't base theology on an experience. That's a huge mistake. So I'm not saying I believed it because it happened. I'm saying it happened, and then I went to the Word to find out what exactly happened. Yeah. And there it was in the Bible, and I realized this is God. And so uh, don't be afraid of it, but also don't think that somehow you're lesser because God has not given you that gift. You can ask him for yeah. it. He may give it to you, but don't try to fake it. Uh, don't try to pretend just if God's going to give it, he will, and you'll know it. It'll be real. And if God doesn't, he doesn't. So I think a lot of people try and, and, and maybe even fakely do it because yeah. they're afraid they're not fitting in with their charismatic group or whatever. But it's really it's really sad because the scripture says, look, relax. That's not something that's necessary for salvation. It is a gift that some get and some don't. Uh, at thewaymedia.net or on the Way Media app, Dennis, and for anyone else that's interesting, under the Calvary Knoxville section, just go to Topical Teachings, and then look for this symbol, and for those of you that are looking at the camera, called the Holy Spirit. This is a multi-part topical teaching that Pastor Mark did, that he covers tongues, interpretations of tongues, discerning of spirits, prophecy, healing of, uh, and miracles, faith, wisdom and knowledge, the list, list goes on. Yeah, yeah I think that would be very helpful. Uh, very helpful. Yeah. A lot more detail. Great, so great, great. We encourage you to do that. And to Dennis, thank you for your question. Yeah, great question. All right. Uh, pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption, the uh, buffet of the Grinch. Uh, this is uh, refer- referencing to Matthew 24, as we see from Israel 365 News. Deadly earthquakes have hit Iran yeah. as tremors are shaking Israel. Boy, they keep hitting Iran. Well, Iran's been getting hit a lot. They often do. That region has a lot of them, and now Israel's getting shaken. This is a real precursor for you Signs of the Times listeners. There's going to be some absolutely astronomical earthquakes in the last days. Uh, some that are going to destroy uh, a big portions of Israel and even kill 10,000 there in Israel. And yeah. one when you get to Revelation. But anyway, a magnitude 6.1 earthquake shook southern Iran at 2 a.m. local time Saturday, killing five and injuring at least 50. The seismic event was followed by approximately 30 aftershocks, with two measuring 6.3 and 6.1, uh, 6.3.1. All the victims died in the first quake, um, uh, and... and Let's see, all of the victims died in the first earthquake, and no one was harmed in the next two. So the ones that died, died in the first quake. Not everybody died. It's just read funny there. Um, and so since Iran's one of the most seismic, uh, seismically active countries in the world, uh, major faults covering at least 90% of the country. State TV said 150 quakes and tremors had struck uh, the western province over the past month. And again, the earthquakes come in sharp contrast to a recent series of tremors in Israel. Last Wednesday night, 3.1 there in northern Israel in January, a 6.5. I remember that one hit uh, the coast near the coast of Cyprus, fell in nearby Israel, Lebanon, and Turkey. Uh, and again, in late February, two small cakes, uh, cakes, earthquakes, 3.5, 3.2 in northern Israel. Again, these are all just minor shakings of the major earthquakes that are coming. And the fact that earthquakes in Matthew 24, we're told, will be increasing in quality and in strength in the last days. So keep your eye on this. Very interesting. Uh, the Wall Street Journal is reporting on a Wall Street Journal question. Uh, or a journalist that's questioning uh, the push to vaccinate infants and toddlers. Yeah. Finally, wow. Wow. finally, yeah. some eyes are beginning to open. Yeah, to me, Greg, this was huge because we've been hearing this now for two years uh, on, on different media, yes. but now you got the mainstream media, Wall Street Journal. This is very encouraging to me because we know now that these shots in, in children and infants and toddlers, they are they are deadly, they are, they are maiming, they're causing neurological problems, heart attacks, strokes, all kinds of things. And finally, you know, you say it, uh, and if it's not in the mainstream media, people don't want to listen. Well, now we have Wall Street Journal saying, whoa, 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 whoa. A Wall Street Journal editor, board member called into question the motives. And I found that interesting. The motives. Why are you doing this? I said the same. Why are you doing this to our kids? Behind the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's decision to extend the emergency use authorization of Pfizer and Moderna's COVID-19 vaccines to toddlers and infants as young as six months old. Writing the decision was motivated by politics rather than science. Let me go beyond that. I think politics is a part of it. But it's always been said, follow the money. I believe politics, but also even larger, is the more shots you sell, the more money you make. And they're doing it at the expense of our babies. And people say, oh, do you think they'd really push these shots if they thought it was going to hurt our kids? Well, what about abortion? Our society's been pushing abortion for 50 years. They knew that it was killing a baby. So, yes, would they push a shot that would kill a baby? Absolutely. He goes on, the FDA standard for approving vaccines and otherwise healthy people, especially children, is supposed to be higher than drugs that treat the sick. But the FDA conspicuously lowered its standards to approve COVID vaccines for toddlers. Why did they do this, the article says. Finley uh, started her piece with a quote. 
and said this. This is from the, the FDA's recommendation from our president. President Biden said this, and I quote, This is a very historic milestone. The United States is now the first country in the world to offer safe and effective COVID-19 vaccines for children as, as young as six months old. First of all, they're proving now not to be safe and effective. And secondly, they're not vaccines. A vaccine prevents you from getting it. That's why these other things are vaccines. You don't get what you get a shot for. You don't you get a polio vaccine. You don't get polio. Everybody getting these COVID-19 shots, they're still getting COVID-19s. matter of fact, the, yeah. the stats are So that's are showing, not a vaccine. No, the stats are the showing they're even getting it more now. So that's yes. not even a vaccine. It's just a shot. So whatever you want to call it. He says, in fact, we. Uh, she responded, in fact, we don't know if the shots are safe and effective at all. Um, the rushed FDA action, she said, was based on extremely weak evidence. It's one thing to show regulatory flexibility during an emotion, but for children? COVID is not an emergency. She went on. The FDA bent its standards to an unusual degree and brushed aside troubling evidence that warrants more investigation. Uh, Mr. Biden's hypocrisy is hard to stomach, she wrote, listing many reasons for caution. I wanted to read a couple of these. I'm going a little longer on this article, but Greg, listen. This is why, listen, it, guys, don't give your kids these shots. This is not a good thing. They're not getting sick. They're not dying. I want to just remind everybody. Um, we had 220 kids die of COVID in 2020. We had 270 die of lightning strikes. We had another 220 die in 2021. We had another 270 die in lightning strikes. So more dying from lightning than there are from, from getting COVID. Also, more died from the flu every year than died from those years in COVID. The point is, it's unnecessary, and, and it's, it's hurting our children. Let me read some stats here. Children are at low risk from COVID-19. Only 209 kids between six months and four have died. That's .02 in America. About half as many toddlers were hospitalized uh, as with the flu in 2020 and 2021. These are facts now from the U.S. Uh, uh, statistics. Uh, the two children in the Pfizer trial who got the sickest with COVID-19 also tested positive for other viruses. It's possible that many hospitalizations to COVID-19 this winter uh, this winter were instigated or exacerbated by other viruses. Next fact, the FDA authorized vaccines for toddlers based on a comparison of the antibodies they generated to the original Wuhan variant with those in young adults who had received two doses. But two doses offer little, if any, protection against mild Omicron. And it says uh, the, the even protection against hospitalization was only around 40 to 60 percent. Vaccinated toddlers, last one, vaccinated toddlers in Pfizer's trial were more likely to get severely ill with COVID-19 uh, than with those who received the placebo in other words, you're, you got sicker if you got the shot. Most children who developed multiple infections during the trial were vaccinated. Greg, you know, just uh, these Pfizer documents that just came out. In the Pfizer documents, uh, they listed 38 women that were pregnant when they took the shot. And 27, let's see, 26 of the babies died. Out of 38 that took the shot that's in, their, in the Pfizer documents that you yes. see online, they state that 26 of the babies died. I mean... I think we need to kind of wake up here and everybody take a deep breath and step back and say, look, I know everybody was afraid. Everybody thought we were going to die. I understand that there's emergency things to be done, and I get that. Nobody knew what to do at the moment. But as these numbers are coming in, it's not looking good for these shots. And we need to be honest about it. We need to show the real stats and the numbers. We need to, The people, they should be all over the mainstream media, uh, but it's not. And so that's why you've got to do your own homework. I encourage all our listeners, go out there, look up the Pfizer documents, look up the FDA, look up the, see what their own documents say, uh, get people that can interpret it for you and lead you to it. But again, this whole thing with children, I just want to say, your kids don't need this, and we're, we're seeing very detrimental effects to our children from this shot. Our next article, Pastor Mark, non-COVID excess deaths, why are they rising? Yeah, this is interesting. Again, it goes right in line again. What we've been talking about, Greg. Now, this is yeah. out of um, uh, uh, Britain, D- Britain, yes, England. Yeah. Yes, out of England. And listen, they're a little bit ahead of us. They started doing all this more rapidly than we did. So, I'm not saying it's a precursor of things to come. But listen, to what it says. Um, it says a rise in the number of people dying in uh, each week in England and Wales is not being driven by COVID. The article says. Now, these are again, these are their normal news. This is kind of the Wall Street Journal. Journal. It's getting more mainstream now. Latest figures from the Office for National Statistics of Britain show that excess deaths, the total number of deaths above the average count for a given period, reached 1,540. That's excess. That's over the normal. 1,540 over normal in the week ending June 24. A total of 10,836 deaths were registered in England and Wales, a 16.6% increase of the five-year average. Uh, but only a 2.6% of the latest deaths uh, were, were involving COVID. 
It triggered calls in their government for an urgent investigation into what is behind the excess mortality. And they say it's an alarming trend. Uh, they're seeing all these people dying and all these things happening over there. And, they're saying, and what's amazing, they're going, why is this happening? Why all of a sudden, in the last couple of years, are we seeing all these excess deaths? I think people are slow to put the dots together, Greg. But I think what we're realizing is that although maybe the intention for many people was good to, to rush these things in and emergency approve, we're seeing now that they should have been tested longer. And now some of the consequences are coming in. I don't want to say this to make anybody afraid who's already done this. Uh, I would say if you've had the shot and you're doing fine, don't worry about it. But I think continuing on with more and boosters and then doing yeah. our children, I think at this point we've got to step back and say, look, we're seeing excess deaths. Um, we have a 163% increase in, um, in, in insurance death claims in America by Liberty, by, by one, I don't say Liberty because it had, it had the name Liberty in it, but some major insurance company, I don't have it in front of me. And they're going, we, the only factor we see the difference is, is when this whole again, vaccine campaign began, but people are dying at a faster, higher rate. And all I'm saying is, is let's all just kind of take a deep breath and, and reason and probably have a discussion when you should have had sooner than now and say, why don't we put the brakes on? Why don't we reevaluate? And find out are we doing more harm by having everyone try to get shots than we are just by looking at a way to deal this with with other ways until we have time to really test these things. So yeah. I'm concerned about it, and I'm concerned about some of the future results of this as well. All right, our next article, uh, Pastor Mark uh, says that Dutch farmers are protesting by blocking supermarket distribution hubs in several cities, and why are they protesting? Yeah, this is, again, a worldwide contraction uh, you know, Greg, and, and it, it, what's happening is, is they are now, you remember, of course, the truckers, they're in Canada, they were out there, they were mad politically because of the lockdowns and the mandates and all that happened. Well, now what's happening is we're watching this aggressive push against farming worldwide. You know, we talked in the past, Greg, about the, um, all the, uh, food plants that were going up in flames here in America. And I think we had in all of 2021, there was something like 10 fires at plants. And in the first six months of this year, we were already up to, 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 some people said as high as the 90s, but 30 that I could find just articles to in the 30s, three times as many in six months as we had in 2021. We're only halfway through the year. And um, I had someone actually say to me, well, you know, no, that's probably not really happening. And this is this is very normal. And here, read these articles. They were trying to tell me that, you know, maybe I was overreacting on that. And then the week after that person told me that, I, uh, I found online that the FBI, I have a copy of it on my desk, the FBI sent out a warning this past April to all the food processing plants that they were going to be coming under attack. So I believe the attacks have been legitimized by the FBI saying, hey, you guys are going to get cyber attacked and they're going to try to destroy the plant by cyber attacks. Well, now we see all these other, other attacks. I don't know. Can you start fires by cyber? I don't know. But certainly if, if they're worried about cyber attacks, then there's probably going to be attacks coming from other angles. Now you see what's happening over here with this Dutch thing, and they're in the streets. Greg, what they've done is they're going to, they're going to push 30% of their farmers out of business by climate control regulations they're passing. And what that means is, is that it's going to cut back on beef. It's going to cut back on your animals, your food supply. Remember the last days, Matthew 24 talks about famines worldwide. Well, famines in various places. Yes, oh, yeah, famines in various places. Yeah. But again, I think you'll see them in various places worldwide because again it's a contraction worldwide so you're right but i want to give it a larger picture sure um and and we're watching this take place and again very briefly i'll mention you know one of the scriptures that i've been looking at for years and never really understood that it says in the last days they'll forbid them to eat meat i'm like what are you talking about who's going to do that what are they saying today we want you to stop eating steak we want to do away with cows because they're causing all this greenhouse gases and now we're watching all the food plants go up we're watching you know uh, with this i never did hear what the final result was of all the cows the ten thousand cows that that died here recently and i don't know the result of that it may have been who knows something you know simple and, and explainable but the point is we know they're trying to get us to do away with eating meat and save the environment so Keep, this is a worldwide contraction is what I'm saying. Keep your eye on the rebellion of these, these farmers yeah. there because you're going to see more farms being pressured. Yeah. We just saw, what, almost 2,000 acres purchased by Bill Gates out west farmland? He just bought it. You think he's going to farm or is he shutting it down? I don't know. And, and uh, China bought another 300 acres right next to one of our Air Force bases out there. Um, so there's a lot of weird things going on right now. And, and again, remember, uh, you don't want to just go running out after everything you see and go, oh, no, you know, the sky's falling and follow every conspiracy theory out there. 
But when something starts, look, when you start seeing evidence that something real is happening that the Bible talks about, yeah. that's not a conspiracy. That's the Bible. And we need to be aware of it. And we're watching things happening now worldwide that can affect the food supply worldwide, which is one of the signs we're supposed to see in the last days. Okay. All right, let's get to the church as we wrap up the show this week. Uh, this is from Israel365news.com. The Presbyterian Church compares Israel to the Nazis wow. and calls Christian Zionism idolatry and heresy. Yeah. And I want to make sure I say which branch this is. This is not as every Presbyterian church. Um, this, this is, is PCA. It, it's funny. They're accusing Isn't it PCA. Yeah, yes. It's funny that they accuse of heresy and they're the ones right now involved in heresy. Yes. Um, on Tuesday, by a vote of 28, uh, for only three against, the PCA. Presbyterian Church of the United States of America, one branch, not all of them, an umbrella group representing churches across the country claiming over 1.7 million members passed several anti-Israeli resolutions, including one that labeled Israel an apartheid state and compared Israel's treatment of the Palestinians to the Nazi genocidal treatment of the Jews. Other false accusations made by the resolution were, and I quote, the resolution falsely accuses Israel of stealing Palestinian water supplies. That's not happening at all. That's just like made up. Uh, next, establishing two sets of laws, for one for Israel and one for the Palestinians, which gives preferential treatment to the Jews. Again, look, I, I want to say this before I even read the rest of them. The Jews are not saints. As a matter of fact, right now they're in rebellion to God. So I'm not going to defend the actions of Israel or the actions of the Jewish people. We're simply to stand with Israel because God told us to. And he said, if you stand with Israel, I'll bless you. If you stand against Israel, I'll curse you. Because God's going to send his spirit on them and revive them in the last days. And we're going to see a great revival among them. So um, there could be some treatment here that's not as good for the Palestinians. That may be the case. I don't know of, of, of an example. but I, And I'm not going to try to defend that if it's happening any more than I defend some parts of church history that are horrible. Because God's not in that. But the reality is, they're using these excuses to go against Israel. And the Bible says, if you go against Israel, you'll be cursed. He goes on saying they deny the right, Israelis deny the right of freedom of residence to Palestinians. I'm sure that has to do with disputed territories. I don't know what yeah. they're talking about. Next, lastly, they accused Israel of, and I quote, dividing the population along racial lines by the creation of separate reserves and ghettos for the Palestinians. Well, that's nonsense. They have their territory, and the Jews have theirs. Here's the thing. When you go into that region, you'll find that the Jewish people take better care of their area. I don't know why. They just do. And you'll, you can tell the difference in the areas, and they just take better care of it. Again, uh, again, probably because that's their heritage. This is their land. It's something they cherish because that's where they've been for so many centuries. If something's yours, if you've got two bicycles in your garage and you're holding your buddy's bike, you're probably going to want to keep your buddy's bike locked up, but you're going to probably take better care of your bicycle because it's your bicycle. Again, I don't want to go too far in defending them. Yeah. I just want to say this. Um, it says, ironically, the rest resolution also called for Israel to adopt a policy of religious freedom in Jerusalem by prohibiting Jews from worshiping at the Temple Mount. The church also said in the statement that it rejected the doctrines uh, of Christian Zionism that tend toward idolatry and heresy. Now, again, they're attacking Christian, but get, Greg, listen to this. This is talk about irony. They're right. They said in this resolution that Israel should adopt a policy of religious freedom by prohibiting Jews from having religious freedom on the Temple Mount. I kid you not. It's in the resolution. It's like you just then did religious person, you know, yeah. inhibited religious freedom, saying that they need to do that to stop religious opposition. I mean, it's so hypocritical. Here's the bottom line: Genesis twelve three. God said, "Those who bless you, I'll bless; those who curse you, I'll curse." And this right here is going to put a curse on uh, the Presbyterian Church (PCA). They're going to be cursed of God if they don't repent, because yeah. the, the Bible is true, and they're going to face the consequences. We've got one minute left, and here's your last article All right. from Gallup.com. Fewer in the U.S. now see the Bible as the literal word of God. So sad, Greg. A record low: twenty percent of Americans see the Bible as God's literal word. And let me tell you something. Here's the bottom line. It's being reflected in the state of our nation. Amen. You know, so be it. If you, if you do not believe the Bible, you're yeah. doomed to be destroyed. Yeah. And we are right now on a path of destruction. I believe America can repent. I pray for America to repent. I think we need to be praying for America to repent. Uh, but when we get to say where we say, God, I'm not only do I not, I, I don't believe your word. I'm not going to obey your word. And we shake our fist in his face. All these things we talked about yeah. today. It's one thing to be under the judgment of God, and we're all born that way until we get born again in Jesus Christ. It's another thing to be proud of it and shake our fist at God and say, we don't care. And now we have a record low of 20% of Americans. I don't know how accurate that is, Greg. I hope it's not accurate. But if it is, 
the church is in great trouble in the coming days, and it's going to get weaker and weaker and smaller and smaller. And of course, there'll be a falling away in the yeah. last days. Because why would you go? If, if the Bible's not true, why are you going to church? Why go at all? I wouldn't. When the very church that holds the Word of God is not teaching the Word of God as literal yeah. and as authentic and as without error. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you get? Well, you, at, well, and the clock's going, listen, yeah. Jesus said he is the Word. Yeah. If you don't believe the Bible, you don't believe Jesus. That's the bottom line. And if that's where you are today, you need to ask God to forgive you because Jesus is the word. And believe me, he's 100% true. Yeah. Amen. Pastor Mark, thank you, folks. Thanks for listening. Again, don't forget thewaymedia.net. You can get Signs of the Times and all of our content there. Listen to past episodes. Share these episodes with a friend. Subscribe or ask Pastor Mark a prophecy question, as well as the other content. And listen to our 24-hour radio station as well, WIAM. Until then, next Friday, we'll have more Signs of the Times. Make sure to join us. Follow the